guys, I don't really know how to tell you this, so I'm just going to come out and say it. Um, my songs know what you did in the dark. That song's been stuck in my head ever since the first episode of Hard Knocks, and it makes me actually hate the show. So just wanted to really? share that with you guys. You yeah. no longer like Hard Knocks. I mean, I love the show, but can you stop putting fucking Fallout Boy in my head? Ladies and gentlemen, grab an ice cream cone. I'm Kent Garrison. I'm Brian Gill. And I'm Richard Bard. And this is Mad About Movies. You sound insane. You realize that? The whole world got crazy! Seriously? It's showtime. Mad About Movies is your go-to show for all things cinema. We talk movie news and movie rumors, and we give you a detailed analysis of our chosen movie of the week. And But don't worry, we will warn you before we go into spoilers. Please stay tuned, if you want to, to the end of the episode for our bonus weekly recommends. And Brian... This week, we're focusing our efforts on what? Edgar Wright's The World's End. They haven't seen each other in 20 years. I'm free to do what I want. But tonight, they're returning to their hometown to finish the ultimate bar crawl. This is our chance to finally conquer the Golden Mile. 12 pubs, 12 pints. And this time, they're going to make it to the last bar, The World's End. Let's go! Goodness, Edgar Wright is still making movies like this. Right? Seriously. This movie got me super psyched for Ant-Man. And we'll talk more about it later, I guess, when we talk about The World's End more in depth. But man, I enjoyed The World's End. Richard and I saw it somewhat together in the same theater. Nice. But uh, we got sep- kind of separated. It was quite... Yeah, Kent packed. was sitting by me, but we were, in the f- we were in the front row, and then he disappeared into a back row. Thanks a lot. <laughs> It's called having sense. I just I had to sit with Corey. Oh, that's the worst. <laughs> that that is horrid. That's hor- I don't know how you're still here. Yeah, Brian, what was your experience like? Well, I uh, I went at uh, eleven o'clock on Friday morning. So pretty much, other than going at midnight, I saw it as early as one could possibly see this movie. So. And uh, there were like six other people in the theater. So it was That's awesome. it? Really? Love it. I love it. I love it when I get into a theater and there's only like two people or nine people or something like that. And I can spread out and put my feet up and not hear anyone else or look at anyone else or talk to us. Because <laughs> I hate people, mostly, is right. what you should be taking from this. So, uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was glorious. Well, our screening was pretty packed. I think, was our sold out, Richard? It, was, it had to have been sold out. But we saw it at like... 9 p.m. on like a Saturday, so. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, there you go. Uh, but first, let's get into some movie news. Movie news. <laughs> Rumors and rumbling. That's awesome. Let the filibustering begin. Man, guys. <laughs> right, let's get into this. Adam Bomb has dropped on the movie, movie news world uh, since the last episode. Brian Gill. <laughs> <laughs> I, I assume that you're talking about the uh, the decision by Louis Letier to come back to, to uh, direct now you see me too exactly that's uh, that was the big thing that I that I heard over the week so uh, you know I what see- I heard about this news today and <laughs> I'll share this because you guys will appreciate this first thing I thought is why on earth would they get Louis Letier back <laughs> and then I was thinking it 
from Louis Leterrier's perspective. And he was probably like, well, I'll probably never get a job again. (laughs) So it's probably just Now You See Me sequels is the only thing he has hope to get hired in. Yeah. It's so it's so weird, dude. Like I'm on a I'm on an email list uh, with a blog that I've worked with occasionally, where each week he sends out an email of all the uh, the movies that are coming out on like DVD and Blu-ray and asks everybody to say whether we should, you know you should buy it, rent it, or burn it, or sell it, or or, or skip it, or whatever. And uh, and this last I just got my the for two weeks in a, two weeks in advance the now you see me one and like. Half of the people not only recommended renting it, but like I think like three different guys who I think are pretty good amateur movie critics recommended that people should buy it and talked about how great it is. And I just I don't know what I just I feel like we watched a different movie. I just don't understand. It's such a weird thing. And it's getting a sequel, guys. That movie is getting a sequel. I just, I don't understand. I don't understand. I've, I've yet to see really an article defending Now You See Me in a way that I can understand. Do you know? What I, I know. Mean? Yeah, I've, never, I've yet to see. I've, I've seen people say, "Oh yeah, it was cool. It was fun." But I've never seen somebody defend it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I've seen people just rip it apart with great acclaim. Uh, yours being. One of them. I, I think that that's my favorite thirty minutes of the Mad About Movies podcast <laughs> was just the thirty minutes of Brian speaking alone in that episode, just oh, affirming goodness. Richard and I. Oh, yeah. so great! Such a great moment. Yeah, was um, you and I were we were early to that. Uh, you know, we got to see how bad it sucked so early on. It was, yeah, it was, you know, we really are like the uh, the Lewis and Clark of now you see me being terrible. <laughs> is true yeah. uh, I love it we I did see it. it a good six weeks before it came out that was weird they were trying to get a vibe about how it was and I told you and I think I even sat on the podcast they sent me a survey the next morning uh, like the screening people did or the studio and I laid into them <laughs> well, a couple, the, the couple things a couple things on that. <clears throat> so a few years ago in 2008 I was working I was in college and I was working at a uh, Borders bookstore. Right. Those there for for our younger listeners, they were at one time a competitor of Barnes and Noble. They no longer exist. And I was working at this Borders, and I was closing. I was working like the till eleven o'clock at night shift on like a Wednesday, and I get a text from my friend Shane, and this is like early June two thousand and eight, you know, pre Obama, as I like to mark market it and uh, i get a friend a text from my friend shane and goes hey man i got these tickets from the joker uh i got four tickets to this uh secret screening of the dark knight i know it doesn't come out for like five weeks but i got these tickets to a secret screening can you go tonight and i was like oh man i gotta work this sucks because you know the hype for the dark knight was huge so I, I go in, I'm kind of bummed, and I, my boss is like, hey, what's up, man? And I go, yeah, I, I'm sorry, my friend just offered me tickets to the Dark Knight, you know. And so he was like, hey, you know what, you've been working really hard lately. I'm going to let you go early tonight. What time's the screening? I was like, 9 o'clock. He's like, you can get out of here at 8. So I get out of there at 8, I drive to Dallas. I was working out just, you know, in a suburb of Dallas at the time. Drive into Dallas, I go to the screen. The whole time I'm like, this isn't going to happen. This movie's super secret, no one knows. The Joker doesn't give out tickets because the Joker doesn't exist. And I'm sitting in line 
at this weird screen. I meet up with a couple buddies of mine that have been in line like for the last four hours. I get there at like nine fifty eight or eight fifty eight. We go in at nine o'clock. There's no trailers, and the, all of a sudden it just opens with that super intense shot of the mm-hmm. of Gotham City with the bank robbing, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm about to see the Dark Knight. The exact opposite of that experience was getting early tickets to see Now You See Me. <laughs> so I tell you that story to illustrate both the complete, uh, yeah. the optimum and the uh, complete uh, terrible of, of, of seeing early screenings. So I have seen both the uh, Paramount and the uh, terrible version of, of seeing early screens. Uh, the second thing is, Kent, do you remember when I got into it with the security guy at Now You See Me? Because I made some joke. He's like no. the, the head of security for, you know, whatever, Twilight Motion Pictures or whatever they're mm-hmm. called. Comes up to me and he's like, hey, you know, no cameras. There are no phones in the in the theater. And I was like, well, what about this handy cam that I keep with me at all times? <laughs> he like patted me down and threatened to send me to prison. And I was like, this is weird. And then we watched the movie and it was even weirder because who would film that? You know, just break whatever camera I had. Oh, it's worth going to jail for. Yeah, <laughs> just to let people know. Imagine, I hope someone it's a, it's is in a jail. Service to humanity. Yeah, they're like, "Hey, what are you in for?" And it's like, "Well, I stabbed the governor and his family." And then they're like, "What about you?" And I was like, "I pirated." Now you see me. <laughs> and the other guy's like, "Man, that wasn't even a good movie." Come on, man. Not worth. Not worth pirating. Definitely not even worth pirating. <laughs> oh, but guys, no, Brian, I appreciate that news. Because, I mean, that is that's like an atom bomb to us. Yeah. The, the, now you see me too. News to me, honestly, shocked me, and it, it ruined my day when I heard. It's <laughs> seriously honest. happening. Be honest. What are you more psyched about? And I'm, I'm including like, this isn't a, an ironic question. Like, this is serious because I know you love hating movies as much as I love hating bad movies. Yeah. What are you more psyched about? Star Wars Seven or Now You See Me Too? Like, what will <laughs> give you? What will you think about more after it comes out? <laughs> Oh man, Star Wars Seven. Okay, but it's close. But right? it's close. It is close. But the only my only thing is I don't think they're going to get anybody back for now. You see me too. I think it, they're going to get Dave Franco. Well, I was going to say, is there back. a third Franco they can use? Is there like a C team Franco? Because <laughs> there's no way like any of the actors in it thought it was good. There's no way Jesse Eisenberg was like, oh yeah, now you see me is probably my favorite project. You know what I mean? <laughs> there's no way they're coming back. In my in my estimation, hopefully not. If it's well, co- we, if it's not called now, you don't. Uh, that's when we need to get concerned. <laughs> uh, or now you see me too. T O O. There you go. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. The act- but the actual news, guys. Batfleck is yeah. <laughs> a reality. I don't think. Did we ever talk about maybe? the possibility of him in the past on this show? I don't think so. It kind of came out of left field for everybody, I feel like. This this kind of, it really did shut down Twitter and the internet. Yeah. Yeah. And like the internet for, for literally, literally 44 to 48 hours was (laughs) nothing but Batflick on every website. There were sports websites that were like, oh, Ben Affleck. Yeah. Yeah. So Richard, what? I mean, until Miley was <laughs> yeah. kind enough to uh, shift the conversation to twerking, it was all Batman right. all the time. Right. 
Oh, let's let's. What do you guys think of that Miley thing? Before we talk about Batfleck in in depth, <laughs> what the heck I happened? Don't, I don't even know, man. The world like, did shut down for about yeah. twenty minutes after I, that. I tweeted well after the fact because I I didn't wa- obviously I didn't watch the VMAs. I just caught the the uh, the fallout afterwards and had to go and watch the video. And I I tweeted and just said. I think the last time I watched the VMAs, Britney Spears made out with Madonna, and somehow that was a much simpler, <laughs> simpler time. I don't know, man. I mean, yeah. I watched that thing, and I was just like, I don't even, beyond like, I mean, I know lots of people were like getting offended and stuff, and I was more just like, I don't even, I just don't even know what happens. Like, I just feel out of touch with the world, even even more than I did the day before. <laughs> People listening to this in the future, you know, that Miley thing that we're referring to is, of course, her breaking up with Liam Hemsworth. <laughs> and how that shook up the nation. Right, right. Oh, yeah, like I said, I was, I was much more offended by the fact of her, really just on a musical level, than on any sort of sexual <laughs> or moral level. Yeah. Yeah. And Robin Thicke, a little creepy, right? He's like 36 and married. He's got some, like, 20-year-old grinding on him. Yeah. You know, not not that I'm defending anything she did or the way she behaved that that night or what her lifestyle at all in general. But you got (laughs) to hand it to her. No one was talking about anything but Miley Cyrus. Yeah, sure. Yeah, like you she knows admire. what she's doing. She knows how to like get people stirred up. I guess I don't know if that was on purpose or yeah. what. But no, like that is the purpose. That's the whole purpose of the VMAs is to be a discussion point for three day, three days afterwards. Right. And you know if they don't succeed in that, then they don't succeed. Yeah, you got to admire Miley and Lady Gaga uh, for not that Lady Gaga's performance was that crazy, but we just haven't seen her in a while. For like like any any award show which contains Kanye West and then it but makes Kanye West like an afterthought. Yeah, the other people must have been crazy as crap, right? Yeah, like if Kanye is just like the thing no one's talking about, then everything else was insane. Like Kanye did performance art in front of a tree people were lynched on, did his whole song in front of a lynching yeah. tree. Right. And no, everyone was like, yeah, but did you see Miley? It's like, right. well, kudos to Miley. Good yeah. for her. Um, what so, on the leaves was epic, but, though. That truly was. Oh. <laughs> it was, was awesome. Yeah, I got chills. I talked to pe- people that didn't like it. Really? They were like, I didn't care for that. Yeah, it was boring. It was, was like, like modern art. I felt you, like I was watching it was awesome. work or something. Yeah. Yeah. Kanye is peaking right now. We are in the era of Kanye West as our most preeminent pop star. Not, not hip-hop star, pop star. As far as like, he's like Lou Reed for like African Americans. It's weird, but awesome at the same time. Right. So back to Ben Sorry. Affleck. This isn't a music show. It's a movie show. We don't specialize in music. I don't even know. All I listen to is the Beatles and Boys to Men. That's, the, that's two of the four food groups right there. Uh, let's, let's on my Mount let's... Rushmore of rock and roll. Those are two things. Right? Yeah. Let's um, let's really talk about Affleck. My seriously, when this news broke, no, let's talk about boys to men more in Miley Cyrus. Boys to That's men what people is, pay to it's listen. After it's after weekly recommends, Richard. Yeah. Oh, our boys to men podcast is later. Yeah. Okay, my bad. Yeah, I'm mixed up. Okay, my bad. Um, my reaction to this whole thing was like, what's the big deal? Don't yeah. d- Ben Affleck just won Best Picture, like. Right. Was, like literally sure. in the past four years, he's done great work. Like I don't see what the big 
my childhood is ruined reactions were about. So, um, Brian, sure. I guess, talk to me about what you're Yeah, my opinion is, I think it's a little odd for both him and for the studio, or for the picture, I guess. Um, I don't, when I think of Batman, I don't think of Ben Affleck. I think even when Ben Affleck is at his best, he's a little bit stiff, I guess. And I'm not quite sure that that's the right guy for... For Batman, and if you're Ben Affleck, we, we you know that he's going to cash in his Goodwill chips at some point. You know, he's done such a great job of rebuilding his Goodwill, his brand goodwill and, yeah. hunting chips. hi <laughs> um, He's done such a great job of, uh, of rebuilding his career after it, you know, careened off a ledge. Um, and so you knew at some point he's going to cash in and do, like, a really big franchise type thing. I'm kind of surprised that this is the one. Um, but I also, at the same time, like I was, I was kind of blown away by how, how much anger there was from the fanboys and the general population even about this. It's just so funny to me that we're, this like comes like right on the heels of everybody that has anything, anything, any knowledge of the movie industry went nuts that Affleck wasn't nominated for best director for Argo and, and, uh, and just talked about what a talented guy he is. And man, I can't believe he's getting messed over by the Academy. Wait, he's Batman. Oh my God. This is the worst news ever. I, you know, it's just, it was out. It's been out of control. And my biggest, my biggest point on the whole thing is, um, this movie's gonna suck. It doesn't matter who is playing Batman. Uh, Man of Steel, to Batman, Superman, whatever you want to call it, as long as it's got this, I don't know, as long as Zack Snyder is the director and as long as it's they're perpetuating this universe where Batman and Superman coexist even though they don't measure up to each other in any way, shape, or form, like, it's gonna be an awful, awful movie. I am not looking forward to this superhero movie. I mean, this is like the least the least anticipated a superhero movie has ever been for me, probably. I mean, I just, I just think it's going to be terrible. So let's... I mean, who really cares who's playing Batman? Let's think about how can we make this movie not suck? Well, let's start with the director. I, I don't know. It, it surprised me that everybody freaked out about this, but everybody's cool with Snyder coming back to uh, to direct the movie. Did we ever talk about Snyder coming back? I think we did when we talked about... We might have. I just, yeah. it, I still hasn't sunk in that they, they, they're legitimately going with him uh, again, you know? Yeah, I was okay, really hoping just... for Lee Dan. I was hoping for Lee Daniels <laughs> presents Man of Steel right. 2. Right. Look, as long as this leads to Affleck directing Justice League, I'm fine with yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. Like, I will take this, this as a necessary step to an Affleck directed Justice League. Um, but other than that, I have no use for it. I don't care. It, like, I don't know. I mean, Affleck's kind of a stiff actor, but Batman's kind of a... St- it's like, it's not a like Christian Bale brought a lot of pathos to that character. I mean, the the script is incredible, but it's... You know, he's cool as Bruce Wayne, but at the end of the day, he's still just talking like this. I mean, it's not like it takes an inc- You know, oh, Daniel Day-Lewis hope, by Batman. does not do that. But hate, it reminds me of my favorite that. tweet of the year, which is... Uh, which was... Uh, I think I got it from you, Brian. Somebody you retweeted that was like, "I hope Daniel Day Lewis plays Batman, just for the t- just for the two years he actually lives as Batman." Right. Yeah. Um, so I was really hoping for that as a scenario, uh, just extreme epic. method acting, right? <laughs> just solving crimes in <laughs> different cities in a leather suit. Um, but look, Affleck's fine. That's like the best case scenario for Warner Brothers. He he obviously has 
an affinity and a relationship for that studio. And I think it's kind of as a favor if they let him direct the Justice League movie, that could intrigue me a little bit because I think he's he has it. Affleck as a director in the in the three movies he's done, his greatest skill is this incredible ear for that he has for pace. And that's what all superhero movies are missing right now. Like even Iron Man sure. three, which was a fun movie, was like paced terribly. Like, sure. and so Affleck to me is like the most interesting as far as like cadence director going. And so to hear him or to hear about the, the potential of him doing a Justice League movie is interesting to me because I know there won't be any scenes that are thirty minutes too long. Yeah. That being said, Man of Steel two is going to be terrible. We can all agree it's going to be an awful movie, right? It's right. going to be bad. Yeah. Um, and Affleck will probably be bad in it. He's an actor that rises to good material and certainly flounders to terrible material. And sure. I expect this to be more of the latter. That's my thoughts. Moving on. Yeah. Apparently, part of the deal. Apparently, part of the deal of this was that Affleck is helping write the movie. Yeah, I, I uh, heard, saw that he was he was helping to create the character as well, and that so that that makes me a little yeah, yeah that's, that's, that's pretty good. I think. Uh, I think that uh, Warner Brothers really missed an opportunity here. I'm actually going to steal. This is something a, a buddy of mine said, uh, Jason. You, you know Jason, uh, Richard. Yeah. Um, he said, and I think this is a great Jason Priestley. Great point. Brian's really good friend, right. Jason Priestley. Right. That's really right. with, with <laughs> yeah, with yeah, uh, with all 90210 stars from that yeah. time. Um, oh, I know. Okay. Moving on. So uh, no, he he said, uh, and I think this is a great point that what Warner Brothers should have because like part of the problem with Man of Steel was that it did. It played like gangbusters on opening weekend, just made a ton of money, and then it crashed afterwards. Like, yeah, word of mouth no word was of mouth. really bad. Yeah. Um, and so you kind of have, like, you, you can kind of say that's probably going to be about the same for Man of Steel because you're going to have – people are going to go out to see this movie no matter what because it's a Superman movie. Um, but then afterwards, it's going to crash. What they should have done is J.J. Abrams, this thing, kept kept the Batman entire – kept Batman entirely out of it and who was playing Batman especially – Kept all of that out of any any sort of advanced uh, you know advertising, any trailers, any Comic Con news, anything like that. Then you're gonna have suddenly Batman shows up halfway through Man of Steel two, yeah. and uh, and kind of you know pushes you towards uh, Justice League. At that point, a you're gonna get great word of mouth because even if the movie sucks, people are gonna say, dude, you have to see it just so you can see the the reveal of what happens, you know. Yeah, and that's B, a great point. You probably don't get near as much really been up like his Batman crap from everybody because yeah. they're just they're so you know in yeah. awe and stoked of oh Batman's here you know um, just, that would have been a much but but that would require Warner Brothers to have some some foresight yeah, have into the, all this have and the character have, under a pseudonym or something like like yeah. Liam Neeson as Ra's al Ghul and then just right. unveil it like it's Bruce Wayne undercover so that would have been awesome yeah. the other idea I had. Because they were talking about this kind of older Batman, which I guess Affleck is a little bit older than Henry. Ke- is it Cavill? Cavill? How do I say that? Who knows? Okay, who cares? Cavill. Cavill. Texas. So here's <laughs> yeah. Here's yeah. Here's my idea. Is uh, is uh, th- this is the only choice that could psych everyone up if you're going older Batman? Henry Cavill and Michael Keaton in yeah. Man of Steel. Just go back to original Batman. Who wouldn't yeah. be psyched about that? Yeah. If they if they graduated oh. to John Hamm and Michael Keaton, we've seen them work yes. together in Clear History, and yes. it was awesome. So just get the cast from Clear History, you know, and yeah, I'd watch too. Larry David as Larry, Larry David, David as Alfred. Would be a great Riddler. <laughs> maybe maybe <laughs> yeah. Lex Luthor, Larry David. 
Uh, oh awesome. my gosh, Larry! I know. I've heard that Cranston is pretty much a done deal. Yeah, as yes. Lex Luthor, which gets me pretty excited. But uh, Larry David as Lex Luthor would probably get me even more excited. <laughs> Him just complaining about it, which you know, <laughs> what's the deal with? Uh, you know, uh, you're rich. Why, why, why do you have to fight? They, yeah, they have a nice that, lunch. That turns out to be Superman's real kryptonite. It's just not being able to put up with whining. He just leaves and goes back to Krypton or something. So, Brian, but before we get off topic, well, I'm going to yeah. get more off topic. You, you started Curb? I have, yeah. I've watched oh, like, five, yes. ep- five episodes, and I love it's it. Five episodes love of it. season one? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I, just started, I'm, I started from the beginning. I'm a completist. I can't. I can't, despite your recommendation of just watch... No, you should have just watched backwards, completely backwards. Can't do it. it would have, it would have <laughs> made the same amount of sense. To start from season I'm eight you, or whatever. But I mean, it's cool, though, that you do it. If you already like it, Brian, yeah. you're done for the next few weeks because it just gets so <laughs> much better. Yeah. I texted both of so you. Much I started it. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll see you in four to six weeks and I'm done. It was, it's great. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Is it incredible, the writing, how everything always comes together at the end? It and, is. Yeah, yeah, it was uh, it was spectacular, and and it made uh, honestly already has kind of made clear history. Like I like clear history a little bit more yeah. now that I because some of the things that I didn't like about besides the story, the story still is not any better. Like the whole we're gonna blow up that the guy's house is still really <laughs> that's, that's trust me, you, you'll learn to love that. You'll learn to love it. <laughs> but like even things like the music, because I thought that that was really obnoxious in the in clear history, but now I kind of have yeah. a, a you know, a better feel for it with, with uh, Curb. So, no, I, I've enjoyed it. It's been really fun. So Good. That's exciting. Uh, Richard, you said The Newsroom is finally a good TV show. Yeah, we'll talk a little TV here. The Newsroom has been teasing me for – and Brian, I know, watches it a little bit. Yeah. Newsroom is about two and three – or one and three-quarter seasons done. It's almost finishing its second season. And it's, like, always almost awesome. Like, it sure. – it, it, it's not that it's bad. It's never bad, but it's just like the amount of talent involved is a little disappointing. Like it's still better than a lot of things on TV, but like, man, Aaron Sorkin and Jeff Daniels and, you know, the cast goes on and on and on, but they like really have hit a groove over the last three episodes. And then the last episode like had a cool bombshell on it. And like the entire season now has a theme. Season two has a season, has a theme, whereas season one was just sort of nonsense. You know, it's still a, a little bit frustrating because it's like revisionist news history. Like it's really easy to be on the right side of a news story when you're, when you're writing and performing it two years after the fact, Uh, when you have the benefit of hindsight and a little perspective on things, it is actually hard to be on the right side of a news story when you have to report on it two hours after it happened. Uh, So it's still frustrating on that end, but it's, it's really becoming a pretty good show, which is good considering the amount of talent involved. I'm, I'm excited for you guys to watch it. Yeah, yeah. I'm I too. Um, the thing with my show, this show is with me, is I agree with you there, but a lot of these actors, I'm not, I'm still not sold on. Uh, okay. Mainly like uh, Olivia Munn, maybe. Yeah, like, she's I think she's pretty- great and she has talent, but I'd like to see her do something that wasn't written by Aaron Sorkin. You yeah. know. Um, no, she's she's good. I mean, she she's a little ridiculous yeah. because she's a she's a beautiful woman, right. but she it's a little ridiculous because she's like a PhD of economics and is like the lead economics reporter, uh, which is a little silly, um, just because of her just sort of persona. But there's an actor on there named Thomas Sadowski, 
who plays uh, Don Kiefer, who's actually a UNT Mean Green along, much like myself. And uh, he is by far the best actor on the show. I'm not just saying that because we went to the same college. He is fabulous on the show. He plays the producer, Don, like I said. And uh, he's he's really, really good. And in the last few episodes, have really catered to his strengths as an actor. Jeff Daniels is obviously great. Um, and then and then uh, Don, the character of Don also has a little love interest thing going on with with uh, Sloan, played by Olivia Munn. So it's good all around. It, the show is really coming into its own, which is fun to watch. Yeah, it's like I'm sold on Jeff Daniels. I know he's great. You know, he's had great success sure. with comedy and you know dr- drama with Good Night and Good Luck and things. And I and I know you know there's other good actors. It's just uh, there's a few yeah. that I'm just still not quite yeah. sold on. I think it's a great. Well written yeah. show, and I I like well, the show. I think the thing with it, the pilot is incredible, really great pilot, and then it has like I think almost every episode, and I'm I think I'm three behind on this season, so it hasn't quite made the turn for me yet. But every episode is like twenty minutes of this is the best <laughs> the best television ever. Like this is so great. And then another 20 minutes, you're like, oh, this is pretty bad. I don't know. Uh, I don't know if I can do this. And I have to talk. So, like, I end up having to talk myself into it every week exactly. of whether I'm exactly. going to go back and watch it or not. But, uh, you know, and then so- at some point in every episode, I'll just be sitting there thinking, this is it. I'm done. Like, I just can't do yeah. this anymore. And then they turn it on, and here it comes, and it's just, it's great for another 15 minutes. You're like, okay, I'll come back next week. I'll try it again. So, I'm, oh, I'm very fun. glad to hear that it's turned because I, it's, I really it's... want to love it. It's not 100% there, there there yet, but I will say yeah. it's probably, like you said, been about a 50-50 split so far, yeah. and now it's more in that 75-25 range. Good. And so if it keeps trending, it's going to be great. But like I said, the, the 50 or 75, the part that is good is, is incredible, uh, sure. both from a writing and acting standpoint, as most things with Sorkin are. But then the percentage that's bad is pretty much insufferable, but that percentage is shrinking and shrinking. So good. it's, it's good. definitely good times. Richard, while, Richard and Brian, actually, while we're on the subject of TV and uh, Will McAvoy, <laughs> let's talk about Olbermann. Oh, yeah. So, <laughs> the basis of Will McAvoy. Man, did you watch last night? I don't know if you were. I haven't you, yet. You I've been on the, yeah, I've been sick and I've been on the road, but uh, I've got it taped. I know, I know my personal hero was on, so don't worry. I will be watching it. Okay. Well, man, I was just watching it. I, and I was just thinking to myself, like, this is – it literally is the newsroom, the real – I mean he talks about all aspects of culture and sports and he does highlight reel, you know, play-by-play. Play. Is anything better than Overman doing highlights? No. Why doesn't he just do that? He's so brilliant. And I, I was thinking – I was like, why are they doing highlights? And I was thinking, oh, what's better than him doing these play-by-play? Play? There's nothing better than him just doing old-school sports center style yeah, like it's a great list. show. I love the show. I'm super psyched. Like it is, it is season pass already worthy after one episode. He had Wait he had Whitlock. Yeah, is it great? Will he's I be disappointed? Good. Okay, Kornheiser's. Uh, oh, she's. I the mean, they freak. joke around. I mean, he's so funny, and his he opens the show with just a literally a ten minute monologue about <laughs> Johnny Manziel. I mean, just goes off on him like John Stewart style. I think it's gonna really improve a lot as it yeah. goes on you know no, it's, i mean like know what works Olbermann, and what is, Olbermann is a colossal blowhard like 
even people that like him, I like him. I, I sincerely do. I don't agree with him on a lot of things politically, but I, I, I think he's an incredibly talented broadcaster, just like I don't agree with Bill O'Reilly on a lot of things politically either, but I think he's an incredibly talented broadcaster. Yeah. But having him on, where, where the stakes are lower in sports, you know, it's not politics. You're not going to offend anybody really in sports. It's just perfect. Like he, he's going to kill. I think this is a great pull by ESPN. I know he's difficult and he'll probably get fired in a year and he refuses to drive anywhere and he has to, his studio has to be in Times Square and all that. I mean, I, I understand. That's, that's what he said to open Hornheiser. <laughs> He was like the only guy at ESPN more difficult than me. So any more <laughs> uh, yeah, that, in that ESPN book, they say the two biggest divas in Oberman or in ESPN history are Oberman and Kornheiser, and it made me really evaluate a lot of things about myself because I was like, those are my two favorite. People <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. Maybe I'm just attracted to that. That I don't that these really difficult, brilliant people. But uh, no, I'm psyched, man. This is. You know, it's going to be tough, like with Conan and John Stewart and yeah, I really uh, like Oldman how it's on all at on night. at the same time. Gosh, I like that's... how it's on at night and not during yeah. the day. It really gives it a different vibe. Yeah, a good I'm vibe. Fine. You know, like a uh, Larry He's... King live vibe or something. Yeah, you know? exactly. No, that's going to be that's going to be that's my show right now. I'm, I'm going to be on that for a few months. I'm going to watch that develop. I'm I'm pumped. Brian, what are your thoughts? You seen any of it yet? I haven't watched yet. I think I recorded tonight's episode to give it a shot. I, I'm with you guys. I mean, I think Olbermann is great at what he does. I do also find him insufferable as a human being, and yeah. sometimes that bleeds over into sure. how I feel about his, uh, you know, his his on camera persona. There's no question he's he's the greatest ESPN Sports Center personality ever. Yeah. Um, so I, and I think if he is going to succeed, this is like Arguable. you just said, this, this is, this is the platform for where he, he, uh, he will, he can succeed or has the biggest, the best chance to succeed, I guess. So I'm excited to see what he does. Who would you put in his category? Can I, I hear you arguing? Would you say Danny I put, Pats? I would put Kenny Mayne up there. <laughs> Original. Uh, no, I would put, uh. Kilborn in his day. Kilborn, Kilborn was strong. Who also I think is even more difficult than Oberman. There must yeah. that must have been a terrible office to work in. Yeah, the yeah. stories about Kilborn are just like make you want to just throw up into a toilet. Make <laughs> yeah. Oberman look like 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 a little baby fairy or something. So who who else? Who did you say? Danny Dan Dan Patrick. Yeah. Oh, Dan Patrick. But you yeah. know what? It made me because I watch Dan Patrick in the morning sometimes when I'm getting ready. And then I watched his Overman show, and I was like, I used to think that was like a 50-50, but I'm thinking like that was like 75% Overman. Like Patrick is great, but he's just sort of a nice, normal guy. And like you watch the writing of those old Sports Center highlights, and you watch this new Overman show, and you go, yep, Overman was definitely writing all that copy. <laughs> like You watch yeah. him do like the most boring like Mets Braves highlights. And it's Brian. I know you're a Sports Center junkie. It makes you hate everyone on Sports Center. <laughs> Overman does like a 45 second. Like I said, Reds Brewers highlight, and you're like, it's the best thing I've seen on sport on ESPN in five yeah. years. <laughs> right. It really is. It made me think this is that inside the NBA is no longer the best show on TV. Yeah. <laughs> Over in it, like it's yeah. so entertaining. Just how right, simple it is. You, and like he brought back all the old in the first episode. He brings back all you know. He hit the ball real hard, you know, on the home. <laughs> I mean, it's all yeah. the old classic stuff, but it doesn't seem like he's pandering to it. It's all natural, and you're like. This is what you should have been doing. Why did you go to MSNBC? This is your calling. And it, yeah. it was just great. It was just great to watch. Yeah. Uh, let's move on, guys. Yes. Let's talk about... Hey, what's up, ma'am, fam? Kent here. And yes, if you're hearing from me, you know it's time to talk about Blue Apron. 
If you haven't tried out Blue Apron by now, what the heck are you even doing? Blue Apron is the number one fresh ingredient and recipe delivery service in the country. They deliver fresh meals straight to your door. All the food is fresh. It's sourced from local farms. And there's no wasted ingredients. I've been a Blue Apron subscriber for a long time now. And they have still, to this day, never let me down. There's tons of variety. Some featured upcoming meals include summer vegetable and egg paninis, soy glazed pork and rice cakes, skillet vegetable chili with cheddar drop biscuits, holy crap, and garlic butter shrimp and corn with green bean salad. So take it from me. Try out Blue Apron now. Go to blueapron.com slash mad. That's blueapron.com slash mad. Get three meals on us for free. Nothing goes better with a movie than dinner. So check out Blue Apron, blueapron.com slash mad. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. Hey, ma'am, fam, question for you. Do you own a small business or are you a boss? Are you looking to hire awesome people, but you just can't find somebody to fill that role? Well, let me tell you about ZipRecruiter.com. With ZipRecruiter, you can post your job to 100 plus job sites all with one click. In fact, over 80% of jobs posted on ZipRecruiter get a qualified candidate in just 24 hours. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by businesses of all sizes to find the most qualified job candidates with immediate results. That's why ZipRecruiter is different. Unlike other job sites, ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them. Right now, you can post your jobs for free on ZipRecruiter by going to ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. One more time, try it for free. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. Thanks to ZipRecruiter for supporting this episode of the Mad About Movies podcast. Uh, the world's end. The only way to survive the night what? is to make it all the way to the world's end. Where are the others? They're blending in. Hello, I am a robot. Let's talk about Edgar Wright, and let's talk about Simon Pegg, Nick Frost. Let's talk about that trio of, of talent. I guess that's the kind of common ground between uh-huh. Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, and uh, World's End. That's what we are talking about as the Three Flavors trilogy, the Cornetto trilogy, as it's dubbed by movie lovers. Uh, so, Brian, uh, get your thoughts ready. We'll start off with you, Richard. What, did sure. you, what are your thoughts on th- this series, and what's your favorite film? How did you like The World's End? Uh, just go go for it. Should start with me? Yes. So we'll, we'll say sh- uh, I've, I liked Shaun of the Dead a lot. I loved Hot Fuzz. Uh, I love Hot Fuzz. One of my favorite comedies of the last five or ten years. I think I, li- I think The World's End might be my favorite of everything they've done. I really, really love wow. this movie. Um, the more I think about it, it's just – I just thought it was an incredibly well-paced movie. The characters were great and defined, and I think Simon Pegg gave his great best performance in any of these movies uh, in in The World's End. I I absolutely <laughs> I adored this movie. I thought it was. You, you, I know you and I saw it together, even though we were you you ditched me to sit with Corey <laughs> like I said. I thought you had left. I thought you know we. I left. I, Brian, only allowed me to paint a picture. I went me. and saw the Mortal <laughs> Instruments City of Bones. <laughs> Let me paint a picture for you here. So Kent and I walk in together. I'm a little late. I got caught in a little traffic on, believe it or not, 820. What? And I know. Believe it or not, at, at, at 10 o'clock at night because that's wow. rush hour. Rush Shocker. hour. Quick story for you, a tangent. So we're sitting in just 
they just closed the freeway. So it's not yeah. even like we're lurching along. We're just stopped. Yeah. It's a parking lot, literally a parking lot for 20 minutes. And so I roll down my window to like look out and see where traffic was and just to see what was going on. And this lady next to me is like, yeah, I can't see anything either. And I go, ah, oh, it sucks. And she goes, but keep in mind, this lady's like 42. She's got like her 13-year-old son in the car. And I'm like, yeah. She goes, that's why I moved away from this area. And I go, uh-huh. She goes, yeah, I live in Arlington now. And I go, okay, this conversation's already going <laughs> a little long. We're, we're just sitting <laughs> on a freeway together. And I, yeah, uh-huh, Arlington, uh, nice, nice area. She goes, yeah. Yeah. So you guys just want to party here? You guys have beers? Let's just hang out on the freeway. And I just like slowly rolled my window up. So anyway, <laughs> that was my drive to the world's end. Mennonites. My, my, my favorite part about that is is that like the 13 year old kid is in the car. And what exactly. I, I want to know, I want to know if the kid is like, like, mom, oh my God, what are you doing? Or if he's just like, yeah, this happens a lot. <laughs> I'm, <laughs> just, I'm thinking it's the latter. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so weird. And then, uh, we get to the movie and Kent and I walk in together. You know, we, we had, I, Kent's been in, you know, California doing the Cowboys things. We hug, we embrace. So excited to watch a movie with Kent. Haven't seen him in a while. Then I step out to, uh, let some other friends in who had gone to grab some snacks, show them where we're sitting. And then Kent walks by me on the way back into the theater because he's going to go to the bathroom or something. Yeah. I sit down, I watch the trailers. I see a little Don John trailer, which I'm sure we'll talk about at some point. I see some other trailers. And then I never see Kent again the rest of the <laughs> evening until the end of the movie where he comes down. We were in the very front row because we were late. Kent comes down from the upper rafters where he had found <laughs> a single seat and abandoned us. <laughs> so uh, that's how Kent and I watch this movie together. So thanks, man. It, True friend. I, I watched you from afar, Richard. <laughs> so I, I knew Smart. everything that that went on. Trust Did you watch my reactions? Did you watch? No, because no, I was I, reacting no. on my own way. It was funny. I mean, this was a really. I, you knew, guys, I knew that you guys were liking it, though. I could tell. You, yeah. you would have been. I would have seen the old Barden walkout. Yeah, he would. Have. <laughs> <laughs> you would have seen that that flash of light from the lobby and been like, "There he goes. That's what he does." But. Uh, <laughs> So the by the mere no, I enjoyed it a great deal. Ken, did you enjoy it? I did immensely. Yeah, yeah, me too. And I'll talk about my thoughts here in a second. But so you enjoyed it? That's good. I did. I loved it. I I, th- I, I you know I'm a big like. Where does it rank? I mean, give a little teaser of where it kind of ranks on your it summer. Really scale. ranks maybe only behind uh, the way way back is probably still my favorite. Um, Trying to think if I enjoyed anything more. You know, you obviously because of the apocalyptic leanings compare it to. Uh, this is the end, and I'm like, look, I was like 19 when Knocked Up came out, as you guys were younger too, and 19 or 20 when Superbad came out. Like, I am of the Apatowian generation. Like, those are my guys, the Rogans, the the Hills, the Francos of the world. But I think I like this a lot more than This Is the End. Um, yeah, just on, on the whole, I thought this was just it had a lot more consistent tone to it. And then obviously, I think Peg just really carried this. This was like his like breakout to me as like a leading comedic actor. Like he carried this movie in a way that I haven't seen him do before. He's this character he invented was he was in it the whole time. The writing was fabulous and very literate, and a lot of wordplay and fun little you know twists of the tongue, which I always like as a nerd. Um, no, just great. I loved it. Loved it. Loved it. Loved it. There's so much charm in this movie, and there's so much. Hilarity, and there's so much, you know, great science fiction mixed in. The first two thirds of the movie is really just a a 
nostalgic comedy, it felt like. You know, it felt like sure. I was watching Caddyshack or something, you know, some classic comedy from the sure. 1970s or something. And then, you know, the last third act, maybe, the last third of the movie is, you know, great science fiction. And it, it does this whole, you know, action movie twist on it, which was cool. And it, I liked it a lot better than how they did it in This Is The End, where it was sort of the first 15 minutes was kind of an intro and then the rest was action movie. You know, I kind of liked it the opposite, how this was. But, uh, Brian Gill, give me your thoughts on uh, This Is The End. Yeah, I'm with you guys. Uh, this, so this will be a non, no conflict this time around. Uh, I, I like Shaun of the Dead. I've only seen it a couple of times, and I like it more the second time than I did the first, but I don't love it. Um, I think that Hot Fuzz is just a complete genius, just a, a great movie. And I rewatched it after I uh, after I got out of the theater uh, for World's End because I, I needed to revisit. Um, but I I definitely think this is the funniest of the three movies like I, I i really enjoyed this movie a lot and this has been a i think 2003 has been a down year for comedy maybe for movies overall so there haven't been like i was trying to think man has there been anything that's been anywhere close to as funny as this and i mean this is the end is really the only comedy that has generated much attention you know um and i think this is far superior to uh, to This is the End. So I, I, I loved it. I, I thought it was uh, incredible fun, incredibly smart. Um, I love that Edgar Wright takes chances with these movies. He doesn't... He goes in weird directions and somehow pulls it all together uh, quite well. Uh, and he does... I mean, he's done that in all three of these movies. This one... I feel like this one maybe maybe held together even better than either of the other two, just from start to finish. Like, I just, I loved it. I loved it a lot. It was, it was a, one of the more enjoyable experiences I've had at the, uh, at the movies this year, for sure. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if I'm with you on, on Hot Fuzz being, being my favorite. I, I like you, Brian, I kind of felt the need to go back and watch the movies. And I watched them before I saw World's End. I watched Shaun mm-hmm. of the Dead and Hot Fuzz the day of, the night that I saw uh, World's End. And I still think Shaun of the Dead might be my favorite out yeah. of all three. And, I mean, they're all equally great. I mean, who who are we to sit here and argue about which one's better? I mean, that's like saying which of the first three Star Wars is the best. You know, we could sit here all day. <laughs> we could honestly sit here all day and debate that. We're not going to do it. Um, so I, I totally agree that Hot Fuzz could be considered the best. I mean, it really depends on what you like. Yeah, uh, but Shaun of the Dead was on last night again. HBO is running it, or some somebody, maybe I don't know, one of those channels, movie channels. And I caught the end of it last night again. And it just after I saw World's End, and I was just like, man, Shaun of the Dead is just so good. It's just so hard. Once it, I mean, it's the original. You know what I'm saying? It's kind of hard yeah. to to compare the two. But I agree with you that Simon Pegg is absolute next level. Yeah, in this movie, and I hope they really hope they do another. Oh yeah, I hope they don't stop at a trilogy. These guys stop. suit each other so well, mm-hmm. um, Wright and Peg and, and Frost as well. I mean, these guys are are like tailor made. You would, yeah, I'm sure they'll do great work with others. We've seen them do some interesting work with others with uh, Scott Pilgrim and Simon Pegg's work in in Star Trek. And uh, I never saw Paul. Did you guys see Paul? Yeah, not yeah. good. Not good. Um, it was fine. It, yeah. it wasn't Edgar Wright worthy. Yeah, sure. yeah, 
Yeah, okay. it's really funny for about forty five minutes, okay. and then the, the joke gets gets old. Basically, did Peg write that too? No, uh, Simon Peg Nick Frost wrote it. Okay, so it, Wright wasn't involved with that. Uh, Wright was not involved. So yeah, Simon Peg Nick Frost wrote it. Okay, cool. Um, so, but that that's yeah, that's a different kind of not a part of this trilogy. I don't think it's yeah, it's kind of it's like the stepchild of this family. I love uh, I love Wright's style. In these three movies, I mean, it's so consistent between the three. I mean, it's it's almost crazy that the characters aren't named the same thing, same things because sure. it's and almost the, the same world. The supporting cast was great in this one with Eddie Marsden yeah. and Patty Cosanine uh, and Martin Rose, Freeman. Pike. Martin Freeman was great. I mean, it was uh, David Bradley, <laughs> yeah. a crazy old man. Um, no, I thought. That, that was kind of fun to open the cast up a little more and let them react off some other people. Uh, Eddie Marsden especially was was, oh, was he really awesome. funny. Yeah, uh, and so um, no, I, man, I, I I can't wait to watch it again. I'm, I'm pro- I may see it again in theaters, which is rare for me. So I thought about it, yeah, before the episode, but I'll probably have to catch it before it comes out of theaters because there's a couple dead weeks here coming up. Yeah, definitely. But yeah, the world's end was. I want to talk about Wright's direction style a little bit. I love the little, little, really, really little, uh, little montages he does. Uh-huh. And they're only like 20 seconds. And it's like music and like really, really fast cuts. And he does that to pass time and to tell something that happened. Like he does mm-hmm. it in Hot Fuzz when they're like getting ready to go out and into the city or mm-hmm. whatever. You know, they're, you know, those old fashioned movie style, like, Lock and load sequences, you know, right? You know, like, right. Like, like Batman and Robin starts out with one, right? And that's when you see the bat nipples for the first time. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> A huge moment in culture forever. Yeah, exactly. Right. But he does those in all his movies to great effect, and he does those those here um, most notably. My favorite scene in the or series of scenes in The World's End with uh, Nick Frost's character not wanting to drink beer. So every pub they go to, they have the little montage of them filling up the beers, and it's always a glass of water at the very end. Yeah, I mean, you knew it was coming every time, but the way – it was always a different angle every single time they did it, so you didn't know which way they are going to shoot the glass of water being filled up, you know? Right. Uh, So unpredictable, but yet so predictable at the same time. It was, oh, so funny, and it made me me think of Shaun of the Dead because he starts out in Shaun of the Dead like in a – the Winchester, you know, the bar. And a lot of that movie takes place in the bar, too. So we kind of do come full circle here with with The World's End. Um, what was your favorite sequence in the in the movie, Brian? Um, I, I, I enjoyed the, the drunker that Nick Frost's character got, the more I enjoyed the movie <laughs> overall. Because I... I you're you guys are both right. Simon Pegg is fantastic in this movie and he is he carries the bulk of the load. But I love Nick Frost and I just so the the more involved he got into the movie the more I the more I enjoyed it. But there's a scene where he just gets completely the first time he just gets completely slosh and he's just yelling about they're going to continue going on uh on Simon Pegg's plan <laughs> and ends up door. like yeah, and then like it, yeah, breaks open the bust the glass in the door at, on the way out. Um, so just I just died. I was I, I was cracking up. But yeah, I think what is I think what makes this movie so good is that 
I can't really think of necessarily like a bunch of you know individual scenes that are fantastic because the whole movie just flows together so well. And I think that like we talked about that with Clear History and with Larry David in general. Um, you know, you guys talked a lot about how the first line of the episode of Curb is going to tie into the last line. You know what I mean? Like it's all going to go together. And I think that this is an example of that, that same sort of filmmaking. I mean, everything comes together every, you know, even like when they're doing the, the pub crawl, um, you know, the, the guys drop off at the same places that they dropped off when they were kids, when they did yeah. it, you know what I mean? Like, I thought that was just a, ge- a stroke of genius that, and they didn't really draw attention to it. They just, this is, you know, we're just going to go that way out. And, uh, it's just really funny. It's a really funny movie overall. But I, I love Nick Frost. I just, I think the guy is just a very, he's much more talented, I think, than people give him credit for. Yeah. I think they just kind of think of him as a kind of a buffoon sort of uh, guy, which he does quite well. But I think he's he's much, he's capable of doing much more. And I, so the more he was in it, the more uh, I enjoyed the movie overall. Man, it just reminded me how great British comedy is. Yeah. And, and, Aside from, you know, Russell Brand, who I really can't stand <laughs> at all in anything he's done. So it's kind of like the British comedians took the this is the end thing, like, all right, we'll do our version. And, yeah. you know, their version was way just much better done. I like this is the end, though. I can tell, I mean, it really is an American version of this. But No, it's a good movie. It's just, I think this was better. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely very British. I mean, my, uh, you won't believe this, even though we saw the movie with him, Kent, in a way, is uh, Beard, the world-famous Beardo yeah. is probably the biggest uh, British comedy aficionado I know. And he was just super psyched for this from Monson County on the day. And it was really fun to watch it with him and see how much he enjoyed it. It really stayed true to that sort of British sensibility, but also at the same time uh, was very broad and accessible for American or, or any audience at the same time. So I think this, this is very just a huge success of a movie. I don't think I've been in a theater this year, and I've seen more movies this year than I've ever seen uh, so far in a, in a movie year. I don't think I've had that big of laughs in a theater since you know all year than in the world's end, except for the bad grandpa trailer that's come <laughs> on in, in a couple times this summer. And I mean that I'm not, I'm not kidding you. That trailer brings down the house. It yeah. absolutely does. It's a funny trailer. It really is. We're it's gonna, probably the only funny parts of the movie, but we'll see. I'm willing to give it a shot. Yeah, I'm, I'm willing to bet that that uh, Little Miss Sunshine, um, what's that, Toddlers in Tierra's scene <laughs> is going to be the funniest thing in the movie. If, if they can top that, then, then that'll be a pretty funny one. But um, Richard, what did you really, really like about The World's End? Specifically, what scene? Oh, specifically, uh, good question. I liked, um, I love the roundup at the beginning with him manipulating each of them and then borrowing money yeah. <laughs> uh, from them to pay off the one guy to get him to come. I love the the uh, police officer scene where he's been impersonating another person for 20 years. Uh, just the entire first act of the movie is, is hysterical. Uh, I enjoyed the fight scene in the bathroom yeah. uh, with the uh, antagonist without spoiling anything. And then I enjoyed sort of the social commentary of the finale with the the grand network of things and how the network of life gives us this false sense of humanity that may or may not actually exist. And the post-apocalyptic things also were great as well. So, no, just, just like I can't really, like, like Brian said, there's no real thing to 
pick out specifically, but there's a huge sort of overdrawing, overdrawing force of this movie that is, that is just wonderful. I really like that there's... This is a great, another great example of a summer movie that can be done tastefully and on a budget. You know, that, yeah. that can... Here's what you can do with $20 million if you want to do a great sci-fi flick. Totally. You know? Yeah, totally. And This Is the End was sort of the same deal. I think that was $30 million. But there's great sci-fi elements there, too. So hopefully this, this trend... I mean, I don't think this... The World's End made that much, but I know it... It cost twenty million, and it made around twenty or five or thirty the first weekend. I mean, I know they've made their budget back already on it. So, right. it um, hopefully they start making more of these simple, fun science fiction movies and less of these big bombastic blockbusters. But yeah. I know we've got another two years at least of um, of big ones. You know, twenty fifteen is going to be that. That's going to be such a huge year. I, I don't even feel like twenty fourteen has anything to offer us. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. I'm looking straight towards 2015 at this point in my so, movie horizon. What's the deal? Like this movie didn't do too well, too well, but our, our screening was packed. Yeah. And you know, enjoyed it immen- immensely. Why, why do you think that is? Oh, well I was in a, um, a class earlier this today and the professor was just making small talk while we were working on uh, working on something, and she was like, "Did anybody go to the movies this last weekend?" And I I'd seen literally saw four movies last weekend. I didn't say anything just because I I kind of like to hear what people say about movies, you know, before I let them yeah. know that I'm really big into movies. And somebody was like, "No, but I really want to see that uh, the uh, end of the world movie or, or something." I don't know what she didn't say the name right, but. And the teacher was like, oh, what? what is that? And she was like, it's that one with like Simon Pegg and that other guy. And the teacher was like, who's that? <laughs> and she was like, tried to explain to her who they were. And the teacher was like, oh, no, I went and saw The Butler last weekend. Yeah. Oh, I mean, because it's obvious. It's got Oprah Winfrey and every – I mean, this is the whitest teacher I have, redhead yeah. even. <laughs> and she wouldn't to go see The Butler. I mean, so I guess it's just a – Nobody really knows who these guys are, and if you do, you'll love sure. them. And that's why that's why I made t- almost twenty million dollars. Because I mean, if you know who they are, you're gonna want to see this movie, and you sure. will see it. You know? And it made a ton for, and you know, these guys are bigger probably right. in Europe than they are here. Oh, absolutely. And to speak further about the Butler, I mean, this is just a movie with a ton of random people in it, and some Oprah's clout behind it, and Lee Daniels, awful precious, as, and, uh, as, as, as uh, or whatever. yeah. Just a bunch of weird, basically a cameo, yeah. uh, just kind of a very neat and tidy version of American twentieth century American history. I'm, I'm yeah, glad so I put that on my I don't think, I don't... Oscar list, though. Yeah, because it's number one to me. It's like the help. It's, it's yeah. this year's the help, guys. I, I will really. say though, though, but I think that the award season is a lot stronger this year, obviously, and I think this movie will get forgotten more than the help did. I do too. Yeah. Whereas the help didn't have a lot of stuff come and sweep it, it maintained momentum all the way through the awards. I think this will lose a little bit just because there's so many movies coming out that look incredible. Maybe, but I, I feel like the Academy has to, and they will. They'll go back and be like, "Oh, all these movies we picked are from the past two months," and they'll sure. have to go back and look oh, at the summer a, and the spring. It'll get one of the ten best picture. It'll get a ten best one of the ten best picture nods. I'm yeah. sure. 
and Forrest Whitaker get, may get nominated, but I, I'd be surprised. It's not on my list. It's not on my 10 list. It was my honorable mention, though. It was my dark horse. It was like, this one could, it's borderline. Yeah, sure. At this point. But I don't uh, think it'll have that sort of sweeping Oscar season that the help did just because no way, no. of competition. Yeah. Um, so, guys, Brian, grade on the world's end. Uh, yeah, um, I keep wanting to say this is the end. Yeah. <laughs> the world's end. I, I'm going to go with an A minus, and I might end up bumping that up when it when it comes right down to it. So I'll say A minus, but I, I withhold the right to change my opinion after I watch it again. Cool. I'm going to go A, just solid A. Really, really excited to see this movie again. I'm with you, Richard, and I'll go with you. And I'll, if we can sit together, that'd be great. Um, I'll make it up to you. I promise. I'll hold, I'll hold your it's, hand. It's great, great movie. Definitely a great way to end my summer movie season because this is the last movie we're doing before we do our recap show next next week. I believe yeah. so. So, so man, good good way to end the summer, Richard. Uh, great. My grade is an A as well. So right there with you, Kent. Great. Three A's. Wow. Has that happened? I since, don't know if that's uh, happened. Since Fast Six. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's weird to say. Did, we all get, did I give it a, I gave it a B plus. There's I no think you gave it a B plus. Brian yeah. and I were a little more bullish on that than you. Yeah. Just wait until Fast Step. Fat, I'm not kidding. Like, when, when Fast Six ended and Statham, I had no, I came out of nowhere at the end. I was like... Oh yeah, like, I was so much more stoked for that than I was. It, I know the answer to this question for me because I was like, "Wait, we could have stayed them the whole time in this." Yeah, so I have a question for you though. If and I, I think I know the answer for both you, and I certainly know the answer for myself. If that had happened, and then a guy had come out of the theater and been like, "By the way, we have a reel of Fast Seven. We're going to start it right now." <laughs> would you have sat for two more hours and watched it? No question. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Or four hours. I, yeah, yeah, whatever. However many hours they want me to spend with Dom. I'm, Have I'm, you I'm seen down. that Dom, finally, speaking of family, finally, uh, Vin Diesel finally unveiled his like six-year-old yeah. and three-year-old yeah. kids. Yeah, yeah. No, we didn't talk about this in movie news, guys. I need to mention it now if we're going to talk about Diesel, though. He talked about his Groot. Uh, he's talking sure. about his Groot role when he's, he's been promoting for Riddick, which is coming out in a couple weeks. And he said that he was originally talking to Marvel for, about a project that was going to come out in like 2017 or 18. And the fan that once the fans heard that Diesel was meeting with Marvel, they got so crazy and rambunctious <laughs> that Marvel was like, no, we need to put you in a movie now. So they're just <laughs> yeah, pretty much up. shoveling or shoehorning in Vin Diesel into Guardians. Fine with, with me. Mo- yeah, nope. because – they can, fans can't wait till 2017 to see Diesel in a Marvel. So he's probably going to do something else with Marvel in 20, like a to be an actual character. But in the meantime, we get Diesel as Groot. So that's going to be great. So I, I knew you guys would be excited that the possibility of Diesel, Diesel as you know as Spider Man is not out there. <laughs> You know, there's nothing more important than family. And when they get executed in front of you by a street thug, that's when you got to evaluate things. With, with a lot of power, there's <laughs> a lot of stuff to do. So you got to do that stuff with your family. Uh, all right, guys. Uh, let's move on to the next segment. Weekly recommends. Brian Gill. Yes. Give us your uh, weekly recommends. So I'm going to go with a uh, little documentary that I caught this weekend uh, from HBO. 
It is called Casting By. It is right up the alley of pretty much anybody who's listening to uh, a movie podcast like this one is. Uh, and it is, uh, as you might have guessed from the title, it is about uh, the role of casting directors in film. Um, and the, the uh, most importantly, talk about Marion Doherty more than anyone else uh, who had a very long and illustrious career casting all kinds of things from... Uh, early television shows in New York, all the way through, like, I think she used to work with Scorsese, um, a lot of great movies that she, uh, she was a major part of, um, and it really, uh, really did a great job of kind of explaining, showing and illustrating, I guess, uh, you know, how important the casting director is to the, uh, the role of making a great film. Um, it's got great, uh, commentary from Scorsese and... Uh, Bob De Niro and just kind of a who's who of, of big time Hollywood stars and directors and whatnot who uh, talk about the importance of these guys and uh, also has a great appearance by director Taylor Hackford who basically totally misread the entire <laughs> entire pro- what they were doing with this movie the entire theme of the movie and uh, just basically said casting directors are unimportant and they kind of suck. Um, so that was fun to watch that just in the middle of this movie where everybody's praising these people over and over, just lavishing praise upon them. This guy is like, no, not that great, not important. Um, anyway, it's a, it's, it's a short watch. I think it's only like an hour and 15 minutes long or something like that. Uh, and a really, uh, really good good little uh, little documentary. And it's, uh, on the, it's making the HBO rounds right now. So check that one out. Casting by. Great, Brian. Thanks. I almost checked that out. I read the little synopsis on HBO Go app, I believe. It, yeah. Uh, it is on, on my Apple TV. And I almost watched it, but I'm glad you watched it and endorsed it because... Yep. It's, yeah, it's good stuff. Um, yeah, very cool. Hard Knocks is also on HBO Go, too. Yeah. Yes. Yes. That's Anyone huge. Only one more episode. Yep. Um, you can check it on HBO. It surprised me. I saw it on there and I was like, oh, Yeah. So now I don't have to like cancel my plans every every you know Tuesday, like <laughs> pretend I'm sick and stuff to not do the podcast. So I right. can watch Hard Knocks. Um, but my week recommend this week is uh, Breaking Bad. So I've been catching up on Breaking Bad, and I love Breaking Bad. So I just have to recommend it. I don't think I've used it as my recommend on the show. I don't know if anyone has. Have they? I don't we think so. I don't think anyone has for weekly recommends, but um, it's ending this season. I believe season six it was the last season. So if you're not caught up, you still have time to catch up before the <laughs> before the season finale, I guess, for the series finale airs. That's my goal to get completely caught up so that I can watch live the last episode. How far are you into the? Uh, um, I'm at the end of season two right now. I had oh, okay. seen season one and two before, but it had been like a, a, at least over a year since I'd watched it. Uh, so I just watched season one and two again just to get reacquainted, so I didn't forget anything. Sure. And man, it's just so good. I could watch season one and two again and be happy, but I'm just excited to watch more Breaking Bad. Richard, Sweet. are you are you a fan? I know you're a fan of Breaking Bad. What do you? I am, but I'm not caught up yet either. I'm a little ahead of you. I'm about four seasons, three and a half, four seasons in. I haven't seen any of the new ones, obviously. So I'm kind of waiting for it to end, and then I'm going to binge watch. I literally have it in my <laughs> – this is a sign of getting old when you actually have to put shows into your Outlook calendar to watch them. <laughs> I, have <laughs> I have it set to watch in October. 
so I will be watching. <laughs> nice. Wow. wow. Greatness. I know you like Breaking Bad, Brian, so... I, I've only seen, like, three episodes, but I, it's 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 one of those, it's like... Uh, You've seen three? Oh, I thought you'd dude, seen... I thought you no, were an avid watcher. No, I, wow. I had to choose between uh, Breaking Bad and Mad Men to catch up at one point, and I have wow. not had an opportunity to go back to uh, Breaking Bad. The thing with Breaking Bad is that it's an incredible show. The first three... Like, maybe I've seen four episodes. Whatever I've seen is some of the best television ever, but it is so dense and so, like super intense and you've got to pay attention the whole time and i can do that I for I, I think Mad Men is way more intense it is, oh it's well way, yeah Mad Men was is the i think you have to like, pay attention to every yes, sentence of Mad Men absolutely absolutely but um breaking bad is very similar to me not quite to that extent i think Mad Men is like the poster child for you you can't take your your eyes off the screen for a minute because you'll miss something um breaking bad is kind of this and i can do that for like 10 episodes when I know that I'm looking at 60 episodes or whatever it is that uh, that Breaking Bad has has uh, done now, it's hard for me to get started. So I'm I'm finishing up two different programming options right now that I've been binge watching, and uh, when I finish those, my goal is to move on to Breaking Bad. Sure, after maybe maybe, maybe we'll watching. sync up, Brian. We can talk about it if you sync up with me in October. Yeah. Okay. We'll... Yeah. You got to well, finish. We're going to do an episode at Rants and Raves about Breaking okay. Bad, so prepare for it. Sure. But what what are you watching, Brian? What are you binging? I, I just finished uh, Star Trek: The Next Generation, which I've been watching for about two months because there's like two wow. hundred something episodes of that, and I really like that. By the way, like no I, I know, super nerdy. Yeah. The weird thing about Star that show is that uh, it's like super eighties and early nineties, you know, and it's not it's not a great era for television. But it has some of the best ideas. Like episode to episode, they have some of the great, some just superb concepts that uh, you almost wish like they'd redo the series now with better technology and better actors and things like that. But uh, finishing that and then, <coughs> excuse me, the show that I'm going to talk about a show next week for my weekly recommend that uh, I'll, I'll, I'll save it for then. And Curb. You're watching Curb. And Curb. Well. And Curb, yeah. Comedy's get on a it, bit. dude. Yeah. Get on curb. Just, yeah. just knock it out, man. You'll. We have to have a, a more in-depth curb talk. Yeah, let's do a show. curb pod in All the right. fall. Curbcast. There we go. Yeah. Curbcast. Right, right, Richard. We can recommend. Sure. You well, we actually stepped on mine a little bit earlier. I was actually going to recommend Overman. It's the best already. One of the better sports shows on television, or just cultural shows. Whether you, I've certainly had my issues with Overman politically and socially at certain times in the past. Uh, but he's a fabulous broadcaster, and uh, especially in the sports realm, I think it's it's like the thinking person sports center. I am guilty of throwing on sports center, especially when I'm traveling, which I am now. I'm in basically Mexico right now, um, but uh, they uh, I'm certainly guilty of throwing on sports center, and not thinking. But when you're in the mood to think about sports and these certain uh, societal implications of sport. Uh, this is definitely a show for you. I think pretty much anyone with a brain and an interest in sports would enjoy it. Uh, it's also just really funny. I can't. I were talking about earlier. It's a really funny show. So I'm I'm all in on it. I'm I'm pumped. Sweet, Oberman, man. I can't wait to get off here. Uh, that's what she said. And watch uh, Oberman. <laughs> it's gonna be yeah, good Brian. Stuff. Text uh, when you when you watch whatever episode you tape. Text us because I'm interested to see your thoughts. Sure. Because you're you're probably the biggest sports fan of all of us. Yeah, bro. I can't believe you haven't seen it, bro. Brian, no, dude, I'm a kid. 
It's hard to get on board for things, and you got a kid crying all the time, and has to be fed every four hours. I mean, it's unless it's Star Trek from the late '80s, and then know, get on board for two hundred. I know. I know. Uh, man, guys, gotta have good priorities. Times. Gotta have priorities. Anything else you guys want to talk about? Mention before we uh, get out of here for this week. <laughs> Next week, summer recap. Summer recap. And then lots of weeks of nothing, and then it yeah. gets good again. September's going to be rough, guys. I think we got summer recap, and then we've got Riddick week after that. Yeah. We've got to have to do Blue, Blue Jasmine at some point because, man, September looks terrible, guys. It looks... Brian, did you, did you see Blue Jasmine yet? I don't remember. I'm going to try to see it. If I don't, I may be playing basketball tomorrow morning. If not, then I'm going to go see it. Um, but yeah. I, I'll, I'll see it by, the, by next week. I would imagine. I'll get yeah, we it. should probably do an episode on that because I think that's going to get some traction for awards. We'll see. I saw it. I know you last, did. This last weekend, Richard. You we'll, know we'll save your thought. We'll save both. Of, I know. I, re, I, rec, I I thought about recommending it again tonight. Third week in a row. But I didn't have I didn't have anything to drink tonight, so who knows? <laughs> but uh, but uh, definitely would love to talk about it with you guys. And I would I would say we could do a Jobs episode because I saw Jobs with Ashley <laughs> Kutcher. I haven't seen it yet. I mean, should I see it? It might be. I mean, if you're, I'm a huge Apple nut, so yeah, I had to see it. Like, I had no option. Like, I'm sure. a movie guy and an Apple guy, so I had to see it. But that being said, not a good movie at all. Okay, it's just not. But it's worth a discussion. I'm thinking, I know we could have a great discussion about it. Okay, because it's such an, a big attempt at something great. But uh, anything else you guys want to mention before we get out of here? Negative. No. Negative. No. Uh, Brian Gill, yeah. where can I find you online? You can find me on Twitter at bgill12, or you can find my writing at canbabiesdrinkredbull.com. Uh, Richard Barden, where can I find you online? Uh, you can find me at richardbarden.com, which, by the way, for those of you visiting, I've been looking at the traffic. I've been getting some good visiting. I'm about to re-up the website uh, in September, so it's going to be a revamped richardbarden.com, so it'll probably be dormant. Until then, but uh, until then, you can find me at, at Richard Barton on Twitter and look forward to the new RichardBarton.com launching in mid-September. Kent, where might I find you online? Find me on Twitter at Kent Garrison. Just uh, all one word, K-E-N-T, Garrison. Uh, find the show on the web at madaboutmoviespodcast.com. Find all our episodes on there. We can recommend and contact the show on there as well. We're getting a few emails um, over the summer. So I'm stacking them up, and I'm going to talk about them next week on the Summer Recap Show. So if you have a question, get us get it into us this week, and we'll talk about it and shout you out and all that good stuff. So well, on that note, uh, until next time, guys, we will see you at the cinema. Goodbye. Bye. Goodbye. It's the end of the world as we know it. It's the end of the world.